Our scripture for today comes from the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. But do, not, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. Our second verse comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the, in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is who, he, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, and make a straight path for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him where he was baptizing, he said to them, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father." I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now will you please join me in prayer? Dear Lord, I pray for Pastor Mike this morning as he prepares for his sermon that the words that he speaks will not be his own words, but your words from heaven flowing through him. Even though we are at home, I pray that his message and the gospel will be soaked into the hearts of the congregation and that we can further our relationship with you, Lord. Lord, bless Pastor Mike's heart, protect him, guard his mind, and minister to his heart. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Wasn't that wonderful to hear some of those beautiful melodies from Christmas past? I, I have a note here, and of course you can't see it because it's in my notes, and I put it down earlier this week, and it said, Celebration or Appeal? The appeal was going to be, hey, we need a lot of your help, but instead I get to share two huge celebrations with you. First, I hold up a piece of trailer skirting. Uh, we put trailer skirting on 60 mobile homes in Marion Village and Squaw Creek, in homes with folks that didn't have insurance that really needed help after the derecho. We completed that in 15 work days, so I want to say Praise God from whom all blessings flow from the people that are Marian Methodists for working that work and helping our community. And of course, before you, you can see the other great celebration. Monday morning, Simon and I spoke and we saw that we only had 53 of the 100 gifts, the so 100 children covered in our gift giving message for this year. It's been hard when we're not together, but he put together a video and they put it online. And I want to announce to you today with great celebration that all 100 children will have gifts given to them through Marian Cares by Marian Methodists. And I praise the Lord for that. Now, there's a couple of details I shared earlier with you. 
but are important to hear again. These gifts must be to the church by December 8th, which is Tuesday, no later than 4 o'clock, because they need to be quarantined. <clears throat> they need to be gift-wrapped and placed in the garbage bag. And then, very important, the child code that you picked uh, to purchase for, make sure that code's on the outside of the bag. That'll help with the distribution process and, and uh, get things to the, the students more quickly. Lastly, um, even during this service, I'd hope you wait till the end, but as soon as this service is open, if you want to run your gifts out here, uh, we'll have somebody here receiving them till about 12.15 in the afternoon. And then again, since we're having our communion service at 3.30 and then again at 4.30, there will be folks here from 3 o'clock until about 5 to receive your gifts if you want to bring them today. So praise the Lord. The Lord says to us, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked or peril and sword, you served me. These are the ways that we serve the Lord and praise God by giving and serving others. So I thank you because you've made Christmas a wonderful thing for many, many people in our communion, in our community. So this morning's message, we continue our sermon series, Christmas, Our Hope in Crisis, and your sermon goes like this. My son-in-law, Cameron, was so excited when he graduated from college, he'd put together enough money to get a down payment on his first brand new car, a Ford Fiesta. Oh, even though he's six foot five, he loved that little car, but almost from the day he drove it off the lot, it had problems with the transmission. He was taking it to the place that he bought it. He'd take it back. It'd run a little bit. Sometimes it'd get stuck in reverse. Sometimes it wouldn't go at all. We couldn't figure it out. It just kept having problems. Even though it said Ford on the front, I believe the car was made by Sunkist because it seemed to be a lemon. Finally, I said, Cameron, we got to go sit on somebody at the car dealership. They've got to address the root of this problem. They took it all apart. Take a look at what they found inside. That's not part of a transmission. But lo and behold, the first person that worked on that transmission had left a screwdriver inside the transmission case. Can you believe that? And it's not supposed to run with extra parts in there. And that car never, ever ran correctly. But we did get to the root of the problem. Today, as you're watching worship, as you're participating either at home or on your exercise bike or when you're out on a walk, even, one of the things we need to do <clears throat> is we need to address the root of the issue. And the root of the issue for me during the Advent season is always, why Christmas? Why Christmas at all? Well, the scriptures give us great insight and a clear answer. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. I teach our confirmation class what it says in the, you know, the footnotes of the Bible. It says Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua or Yeshua, which means the Lord, Yahweh, saves. The Lord saves. So it's important for us to not make Christmas what it isn't, but to really look at the root of the question, the issue, why Christmas? The root of the issue, why Christmas is, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. In his little pamphlet, Why Christmas, Nicky Gumbel, the author of the Alpha Course, writes this. If we're honest... We need to admit that we all do things we know are wrong. Thus, our greatest need is forgiveness. 
Just as a man who has cancer needs a doctor, whether he realizes it or not, so we need forgiveness, whether we realize it or not. Think about that. Our greatest need is forgiveness. And just like a person who has cancer needs a doctor, whether they even know they need a doctor or not, so does every single one of us worshiping today need forgiveness, even if we don't know it. So into that understanding, into that core issue comes John the Baptist. And literally, as you pick up that scripture that that Caden read so well a few moments ago, you see John the Baptist, he's just standing in the wilderness of Galilee, waving, waving, waving. He's waving his hands. He's calling us to focus our attention on the gift that God has given us. He's screaming at the people of his own generation to grip and, and hold on to the gift that God has given us, which is repentance. Because John the Baptist, by the insight of the Holy Spirit, knows that the root of the human issue is sin. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You know, we came to sing the carols. We came to see the gospel, the the Advent candle lit. Pastor Mike, this is a very unattractive Christmas message if you don't know this. If you don't know that talking about repentance is difficult, I do, and it's the gospel. And in Marian Methodists, we tend to address the gospel and just the gospel. And the gospel truth is we need forgiveness. The word repent or repentance is, appears over 100 times in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, when Jesus begins his ministry, his first sermon is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the Lord himself and John the Baptist that preceded him is telling us that it's essential to embracing the Christmas message to embrace repentance. We have to understand repentance is for us. It's not just for somebody else and not for someone else that's made a mess of their life because repentance is a Christmas gift. Repentance is a gift from God. You probably should write that down. Maybe you could even take a minute and tweet that. Repentance is a gift from God. Now stay with me for a minute. Because the gift of repentance repentance shows us we're wrong. Yay, Merry Christmas, right? It shows us that we're wrong. Why is that a gift? Because we can see the perfect life of Jesus Christ. And we can compare ours to it and see where we are incorrect in our behavior. Where we really are thinking we're something we're not. We need to acknowledge what we are and what we aren't. My sophomore year in high school, I had this idea that I was a basketball player. I'd played basketball growing up, of course, but by the time you're a sophomore, guys are starting to sort out to what sports they're really good at and such, but you know, I was an athlete, I was in good shape, and I liked it, so I thought I'd go out for the basketball team again. And we were having one of the first or second practices, so we weren't too far off the football experience. And somehow the ball got loose right <clears throat> at midcourt, and I ran to it, and I jumped up, and I put my hand on it. And at the same time, Greg Bice, who was the star of our team, and if you're from Marion Athletics back in those times, you know that to be true, he his hand hit it at the same time. But you know, we were just off of football, and in football, I was a linebacker, and Greg was a quarterback, so I just kept running, and I drove him right to the ground, had his head hit the floor. And I dribbled in, and I thought, well, this is going to be an easy layup. And I laid it in, and I was all in my heart going, <sighs> But when I turned around to go back and play defense, I was met by Coach Sloan, who gently grabbed me by the hand and said, hey, follow me. He walked me around the corner, 
down the hall a few steps, opened the door to the weight room, went in there and said, now get ready for the sports you're good at. I wasn't a basketball player. I didn't acknowledge that until that day. But that's part of what we have to do as human beings. We have to acknowledge who we are and who we are not. John Wesley writes, and first repent. That is, know yourself. Know who you are. This is the first repentance, previous to conviction, previous to faith or self-knowledge. Know thyself to be a sinner. And what manner of sinner thou art. This is hard work that Wesley calls us to. It's hard work John the Baptist calls us to. It's hard work the Lord in his first sermon calls us to, to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The gift of repentance is an opportunity to turn to Christ, to turn our face to the Lord. Our sin is caused by us. It's not caused by him. It's not caused by our neighbor. No one makes us sin. We kind of trap ourselves in our own little box, our own little closet of sin. We put ourselves in there. And by the way, when we're building our closet of sin, we don't build any doorways. There's no way out for us. We put ourselves in there. And God doesn't have to offer us a way out. But here he comes with Jesus and offers us a way. He does. God grants the gift, but it needs our response. He grants us the gift, needs a response. I don't know if you've heard of these fancy uh, exercise bike called a Peloton. Have you seen these advertised? You can buy one from between three and $5,000, I think. They come with computers, and you can, you can join the classes and, and ride your bike uh, with, along with people that are in different cities, maybe different countries. I don't know. And some of them have the ability to, you know, like to, to simulate whether you're going around corners and, and that sort of thing. But here's the thing. And, and I know Peloton's done a lot of good advertising and all stuff. If someone gives you the Peloton, that's the gift, okay? Follow me, Methodists, for a minute. That's the gift. Giving the gift does not actualize the gift. You don't, just because you have a Peloton, doesn't mean all of a sudden you're in great shape. I have seen a lot of exercise equipment in some of your homes and other places where it's being used kind of like a clothesline or like a big shelf to keep books off the ground or something like that. And maybe they were gifts at one time, but they didn't make you healthier by using them the way they're being used. The Peloton is the gift. If someone gives you the Peloton, it's the gift, but it needs your work to actualize it. It means needs your getting on it every day. It needs your pedaling furiously to, to get the sweat going, to get your heart beating. And in the same way, although much more importantly, repentance is a gift from God. It's the gift. But it's our works that actualizes it. God gives us a gift, but we have to do something about it. And repentance is needed for all. little simple truth about humanity. Sin creates chaos. It always does. Confusion flows from the deceiver into our lives. That's one of his best tools. He likes to confuse us by throwing chaos and when we get chaotic minds, then oftentimes we exchange truth for lies. We take things like love and relegate them to a feeling rather than an unconditional absolute and way of living. Chaos always creates division in every type of body, in a human body, in a family, in a church body, in a community. It never creates a unity of mind spirit and mission sin creates chaos and repentance reverses chaos it turns it all the way around 
So when we ask the question that's at the root of all this, why Christmas? Why Christmas is that Jesus entered our world to restore relationships. First, our relationship with God, and then our relationships with others by his life, by the living of his days, his coming. He separates sin from us. And by his death on the cross, Jesus makes it possible for us to be forgiven and be brought back into relationship with God. So repentance then is a way to restore the relationship. I have a friend, maybe you do too right now, who has covid he, he, he actually has had it pretty tough. He was feeling sick for a while and then quite a bit sicker. And then air ambulance to Des Moines, sick. And then intensive care with oxygen, sick. And then beginning to wean off some of that oxygen, sick. To going home, sick. To now almost walking out of COVID. His health is nearly restored, but it's been this long 20-some day process, and in every step along the way of the process, he had to take certain steps. You see, when we look at the idea of sin, it has a lot to do with the horrible pandemic virus that we are standing next to right now. No one jumps into it. You kind of slide into it. We don't go up to the precipice that stands next to our sin and just take a jump and go down into a big cavern of sin. That's not how we get into sin. We typically walk one step, one act, one misdirected thought at a time into sin. And so when we get deep into sin, our work, our repentance, is walking out one step at a time. And the mechanism for that walkout is the gift that God gives us in repentance. John the Baptist cries out. He screams in the wilderness. He pleads with those that know him. And I put all three versions up there. He he says, bear fruit in keeping with the repentance in the ESV. In the NIV, it's recorded him saying, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And in the NLT, which is my devotional Bible, it says, prove by the way you live, prove by the way you live that you have repented your sins and turned to God. So what is the fruit? What is the proof that we have in our lives of repentance? Well, a lot of it is keep taking the steps. Keep moving. When I was, I don't know, probably 15 years old, I was had the great opportunity to go to the Boundary Waters up out of Ely, Minnesota, between Minnesota and Canada, and, you know, canoe and fish and all those lakes, which was a great couple of weeks. While I was with a batch of guys, I don't know, four or five canoes, I can't remember at this time because, well, you know, I'm getting older. But I remember one particularly windy day. We were going across the lake. It was probably about five miles from end to end. And it was one of those days that you get out there in the Boundary Waters that if you take your oar up out of the water and let the wind do its work, it'll start blowing you back to where you came, and it'll turn your broadside in the water and just really kind of cause some problems with it. So as 15-year-olds or so, it was a lot of work. And we started going, it felt like the first 10 minutes we'd gotten 100 yards offshore. But we had this guide, he lived up there all summer, he was probably an explorer or something like that, 19, 20-year-old guy named Lonnie, and he kept saying the same thing over and over. Keep rowing, boys, we're getting closer. Keep rowing, boys, we're getting closer. And, you know, after about an hour and a half or two hours of that, um, we made it. 
But we only made it by keeping the process going, by working our way across. You see, repentance is the way we make progress in the Christian faith, says Tim Keller. Repentance is the best sign that we are growing deeply and rapidly in the character of Jesus Christ. Repentance. We've got to be making ways. Repentance is our movement. It's the steps we take back to God, and it's measurable in our lives. You can see it. Joyce Meyer, famous author of this, writes, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. We're moving. You know, right now in this world pandemic, in this time of great crisis, this needs to be the root of the issue. Caden read a few moments ago from 1 Peter. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people would think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The Lord saves. That's what Jesus comes at Christmas to do. That Christmas then, this Christmas now. Emmanuel is here, the one that is known as God with us. He comes at that Christmas and stays even through now and past now. God is anticipating our repentance. I told one of my friends this week, and they, they, they laughed at me when I said this, this sentence. I said, listen, God is pining for our repentance. He is desirous of our repentance. And he doesn't desire, us, uh, desire repentance like a child that we force to say sorry. You've all done that, haven't you? You've all, I have grandkids, you know, and... Uh, one of them will make some sort of infraction on the other, and you always say, okay, tell him you're sorry. 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 They don't mean it. They just know that until they say it, the adults aren't going to let them do anything else. But the repentance that God pines for is for us to, to really throw ourselves at it. I'll tell you that God pines for the life transformative, John the Baptist responding, Jesus claiming, Holy Spirit embracing repentance that turns our lives fully and complete to him. And we keep doing the work of repentance day by day by day. That is why Christmas, that is why Christmas, that is why Christmas is our hope and crisis because it's in Christmas that God gives us a way out, a way to restoration with him. Praise be to God. May we pray. Thank you, God, for the gift of repentance, for offering us a way out of the box that we've created with our own sin. Empower us daily to do the work of repentance. Empower us to confess of our sins fully and humbly and make measurable changes in our behavior that not only we, but those around us can see. We praise you, God, that repentance reverses the chaos in our soul and aligns us not with the chaos, but with your heavenly order. And we honor you on this very day for Christmas. For the joy of Christ coming then and there and offering freedom to those and cleansing those of his own human generation. And we are elated, Lord, for the coming of your son Jesus here and now offering us today and in this epoch freedom and cleansing from sin and the opportunity to be at one with you. Lord, that freedom that comes from repentance is why we can say Merry Christmas in a few weeks. And it is indeed our hope in this and any other time of crisis. 
And we praise you and honor you for that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So friends, if you're worshiping with us on December 6th, on Sunday morning, know that at 3.30 and 4.30, we're going to have in-car communion at those times this afternoon. And we invite you out, regardless of when you've joined us, regardless of who has joined us. Every one of you know this. You are of infinite value and worth. You are the beloved of God, and you are his purpose for every good gift. Receive it. Embrace it. Love it. Praise God. Hope to see you in real life soon. Amen.